Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and riding solo here today, but shout out to the crew, no doubt. Definitely making sure that we're getting this as summer wraps up and school now is in the full swing. I know a lot of y'all are dealing with a lot of things going on with your kids going back into school, some of them going back into the classrooms for the first time in a while, so... If anything, I want to make sure I just send my prayers and good thoughts to all of you as well as we continue to deal with COVID and that you continue to uh, stay safe, that you all stay healthy and hope to keep you all here. But shout out to everyone, of course, out there worldwide and stateside, all the fans out there continuing to show us love. The numbers continue to stay steady and even go up a little bit. Thank you all for continuing to listen and support the show. We definitely appreciate it as we have now passed two years of doing the Vault Classic Music Review. So thank you if you've been with us throughout those two years. And those of you who caught on a little bit later, well, you know what? It's all good. We appreciate you being here and hope that you continue to stay with us throughout this journey. As we always say here in the Vault, hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics. And we're going to take a trip back today, of course, 25 years ago. Going back to that year of 1996, it's been a recurrent theme here on The Vault. We've covered a lot of albums from 96, and we have yet another one here in our clutches today. And this album in particular is something that I wanted to make sure that we covered because I remember very vividly when I listened to this album, how it changed my perspective of listening to rap music going into the following year and into the rest of the 90s because of the group and their subject matter and what they were talking about in this particular album. But we're going to go back 25 years ago. And we're going to go back to September 24th, 1996, to The Roots' third studio album, Illadelph Half-Life, released on DGC and Geffen Records. This was the third album that The Roots had. It followed Do You Want More, which came out in 1995. We covered that here in the vault. It was um, an album that featured a little bit of a departure from what the Roots had done on their first couple of albums, Organics and Do You Want More, where there was more program drums and there was a little bit more of an integration of samples into the music, which they had not done on Do You Want More. But there was still live instrumentation being done. The Roots are still at their core, a band, as we all know them. But there were also guest contributions on here by R&B musicians and vocalists such as Emile LaRue and D'Angelo. There were also jazz musicians such as David Murray, Steve Coleman, Cassandra Wilson, Joshua Redman, and Graham Haynes. And it was an album that sort of was a nice mixture of so many different elements. But the tone of the album was also a little bit different than what we saw from Do You Want More? So this one was more of an album, I would have to say, was more traditional hip-hop focused. And I think that this is the album that, to me, kind of got the majority of uh, people in my generation started to take notice of The Roots, in particular because of one song on here and then also one music video that was on here. We're going to get 
into that later. Interestingly enough, the master recordings from this were destroyed in that famous, excuse me, in that infamous fire at Universal Studios back in 2008. So that is a tragedy that the masters from this have been destroyed. But uh, we're taking a look back into Philadelphia Half-Life released again on September 24th, 1996. So the particulars recorded in 96, a runtime of 78 minutes and 45 seconds, labels DGC and Geffen Records. The producers on here, mainly, you know, Questlove did his thing producing on this, but also had the Grand Nigas, Kilo, uh, Raphael Sadiq, Scratch, Chaos, LAJ, Slim Kid 3, and for in a certain capacity, Scott Storch. Scott Storch was an original member of the Roots crew, but at this time, when they came out with Philadelphia Half-Life, by the time the album came out, he was actually looking to pursue more solo opportunities, and this is when he started to really branch out as a producer in the game. Three singles from Philadelphia Half-Life, Cloned, which came out in July of 96, Concerto of the Desperado, which came out in 96, and then later in 96, What They Do, as well as a music video accompanied with What They Do, which was present on Rap City and also on The Box, for those of you who know those throwbacks, <laughs> video shows. But yeah, so Illadelph Half-Life, 20 tracks on this. Um, the guest spots, I've told you before, you've heard here D'Angelo on this. You hear Joshua Redman, Cassandra Wilson. Another poem on this as well by Ursula Rucker, who did a poem on Do You Want More? And then also did a poem as well on Things Fall Apart. So she is a part of this album as well. Just a little bit of background as far as where I was when this album came out. I was in my freshman year of high school. I was actually in the middle of playing my first year of football at Bowie High School. And this album came out, and I know that I didn't really jump on it as soon as it came out. I think that I really jumped on it when I saw the What you, what They Do video, and I saw that on Rap City. And what's interesting about the video, which we'll talk about a little bit later, is like, you know, how they shot it. And then it was kind of like almost even like a mockery of how things were going on in the rap game at that particular time. So that got me onto it. And then my friend across the street was a huge, huge roots fan. And um, he wanted to let me borrow it, but then he knew for some reason I would get it and then not give it back to him. So I had to actually go out and get the tape. So I went out and actually got the tape of this, not the CD when it came out. And this was um, a mainstay in my Walkman during that fall because, I, you know, going from side A to side B, it's like you really kind of got the better sense of sequencing on albums, I feel, on tapes versus when you got them on CDs. Because putting stuff on side A versus side B, it was always an interesting thing to try to figure out why some songs were on one side versus the other side. But you definitely get a sense of that when you get into this. So as I get into the album, I'm starting and noticing and, and listening to these. Now, I had sort of skimmed through a little bit of do you want more and heard uh, a lot of that during that time. But I knew that this album was a little bit different. And when we listened to do you want more last year on the vault, I noticed, you know, that I felt that, you know, while black thought, I think, you know, had some lines on there. I felt as though he hadn't really reached the level where I'd heard on later roots albums in particular on this. I thought that on that particular album that Malik B was much more of a standout on Do You Want More than Black Thought was. Well, this is the album to me that I think Black Thought 
really, really stepped his game up. Um, he's always been an elite MC, but I think when it came to his performance on this, he was, you know, like MVP level status on his spitting on this. And it's not to say that Malik B didn't. He definitely had his moments on this as well. That's the thing that I loved about Thaw and Malik is that they complemented each other so well. Just like so many other duos and rap groups complement each other well, they sort of did the same thing here. And it was really present on this album. Uh, the production on here, I loved it. And because I was an instrumentalist, because I had played trumpet, because I was into playing the piano, because at that point in time, I was in the music and wanted to rap and also wanted to produce, that's really what intrigued me about the album. And it was really, really jazzy at times, which because being a fan of Trap Called Quest and having a father that was into jazz and listening to jazz, those are the things that I really could appreciate about it. I kept this in my Walkman for a long, long time and really grew to love it. And to the point where I was sort of waiting for a few years before that next Roots album was going to come out. And then I finally got it when Things Fall Apart came out. But this really, really, I would have to say is the album back then is what got me into the Roots in the first place. This album was the one that did it. The rapper guest spots, which I didn't mention, you have appearances by... Of course, Dice Raw, who's members of the Roots, Roots crew, Mars OG as well. But then you have Common and Q-Tip. Common on You and I Verse at War. And then Q-Tip on I Tau, the Universal side, where he appears. That's actually the last rap track on this album. So definitely some, some great guest spots on here um, by some really, really great MCs. And it just sort of makes for a really, really great album to follow. But We'll go ahead and get into it now. My highlights. So off the break, the one the song that sort of caught me, one because of the beat, but then also because of the things that were being said and the lyrics was respond, react. And that's really like to me, the song I'm looking at like, all right, well, if Black Thought's going to be different, this is where I know. He sounded to me a lot more energetic. He sounded a lot more charged with more purpose, with more focus. And then you get that. Malik B contrast coming in right underneath to him. And that really, I think set this really set the tempo for the album altogether. And then you follow up with something with section, which is to me, probably one of my top three tracks on here. And this is where I think that both thought and Malik really did great work on this and complimented each other really well produced by the grand Nagas, by the way, that out that track section. So, those are highlights just off the top. But really, if you want to talk about like from a run, the run of tracks here from tracks two all the way down to at least track number 10. And that would be when we were listening to it back then. If you had the tape, that was side A. So tracks one down to track 10, which was Concerto of the Desperado was side one. So it really kind of took you right through it. It kind of hit you, hit you, hit you, hit you. So Panic, which is a short track, um, Black Thought does a great job of crafting a scene of talking about a kid in his hood that got shot and he was sort of into the street life and into doing things and he had got shot, caught up in the street life and, you know, the scene there, including like the music and the, the vocal effects that was going on in the background kind of really just um, set the scene. Rozelle, did the sound effects for a lot of the sound effects in the background. You can definitely hear him and his voice on that going into tracks. Like it just don't stop, which has, you know, obviously a great message on that was well. I thought that Malik did his, did a great job spitting on this into episodes which featured dice raw that also featured the jazzy fat nasties, which is a, a vocal duo, a ladies who featured on a few of the roots albums. 
they added a great element with the vocals on this and um, considering like what they were talking about as far as the subject matter. Um, Push Up Your Lighter with Bahamadia is one of the smoothest tracks on here. You have Thought and Malik on here doing their usual thing and then in comes Bahamadia who earlier this year in 1996 released her debut album Collage which was definitely a sleeper hit and if you talk to anybody about that album during that particular year is one of the most underrated albums that came out. And for those of us who were into hip hop, it's kind of like a cult classic that album is, you know, Bahamadia's collage. But she was down with the Roots crew from Philadelphia, definitely came in and did her thing on this track. That goes into right into what they do, featuring Raphael Sadiq. And <laughs> the thing about what they do is that what they're talking about here and what they do it was probably the reason why the roots were the subject of targets from particularly from one notorious big now they're talking about in here and this is a solo track that uh, black thought is spitting on and he's really talking about how the status of the rap game has sort of been you know less than authentic you know a little bit cooked up to be something that's not real even with the music video, they have the different, like mocking the different type of videos that people made. And it wasn't just talking about the commercial videos, like the ones with champagne and the hot tubs and the party scenes and the women. It was also like the hardcore thugs, you know, hood videos and stuff like that with the crew of niggas in the background throwing up their signs and hoodies and Tims and all this other shit. They were really making fun of all that shit during the video. Well, I don't think Biggie took too kindly to a lot of that stuff. Matter of fact, this was a period of time from, I think, like the middle of 96 until like the end of 96, where Biggie thought there were a lot of people taking shots at him. And the result of that, on a few tracks on Life After Death, you hear Biggie pretty much returning fire. So <laughs> I think this was one of them where he was not feeling the roots whatsoever. And as a matter of fact, Questlove has talked and talking about what the problem between the two of them were and what beef he had with them. So, yeah, this was definitely the spark of a lot of that. Then you get into, well, there's a short little skit of Questlove versus Scratch. And, you know, this is these, you know, skits that you have here on this album where you get a couple of these like fun little joints where they're sitting there having sessions where they're recording and you hear either Scratch or Rozelle doing their thing in the background. Then the ending of that side number one is Concerto of the Desperado, which <laughs> another one of Thought's solo tracks. Um, this was a track actually that sampled from Russia with Love, which is a Bond movie. And then they actually also had some vocals and then some instrumentation on the back of that as well. But Thought completely obliterates this track. <laughs> I mean, when I say he obliterates his track, he obliterates his track. Now, we always have known Thought as being a super MC, but to me, I think this is probably still, I would say, within his the top five of all the verses that I've heard him do. Um, I, he completely just floats on this track and not only floats, but he throws some daggers. I mean, it's skillful. Almost artistic, really, is what I would call it. So <laughs> great job by him on that. And that really, you know, if you're listening to it on the tape, ends side side A. So then you go to side B, <laughs> and that starts off with clones. Now, man, clones. 
Clones is a track that it kind of catches you first off with just the beat itself. The one thing I do have to say about this beat that I think it's a beat that a lot of DJs love to run back and back back. This track gets started and it's literally press go and buckle up. You get the lead verse by Mars. You get then a follow up verse. The second one is by thought. Then you got dice raw on the third verse, completely murdering it. And then sort of understated at the end, you have Malik B coming in to close everything up to, you know, to back clean up and closes out a track. But that's a great way to start side B, especially after the way that the last side ended. Then after that, you get right into you and I verse at war <laughs> and comments on this man. And I've always loved common and thought them spitting together. I always thought that they really complimented each other. Well, and this is just common on here doing a great job. He's really like on the heels of resurrection, getting ready to release one day. It'll all make sense. Um, and he had just sort of had been right in the middle of this beef between him and ice cube. And he really gets on here and does his thing on this track. And then thought steps his game up on this one as well. It keeps going this beat for you and I versus war. Another underrated one done by chaos. Then you get into no alibi. And then No Alibi is yet another song with Thought and Malik on here. Really, really haunting beat on this. Like one of the more interesting ones on here. But Thought does, to me, an excellent job of emceeing on this. Then you get Dave versus Us, which is a, you know, another, another like skit. But then you get into No Great Pretender, which is Malik's solo track on here. And um, Malik doesn't have many solo tracks um, on the Roots albums, but he does have one on this and also one on Things Fall Apart. It's really good, I think, you know, for them to really get Malik a chance to to shine. And, of course, the late great Malik B, who passed away last year, sadly enough. But um, Malik really does his thing on this. Um, the, the beat on this, you also have vocal effects, especially in the form of the drums and then the, the, the horn sounds by Scratch and Rozelle. So um, this produced as well by the Grand Negas. But... <laughs> Probably my favorite song on this album is the next one, which comes up. And big surprise for those of y'all who know me would have been listening to The Vault, The Hypnotic, featuring D'Angelo. <laughs> Man, this is <laughs> this is a smooth, smooth track. And this is, like I like to say, the romantic trilogy of um, you know, thought really taking a song and talking about a woman that he's been in a relationship with or had some dealings with. And it's really the trilogy. The first one is silent treatment. The second one is this, the hypnotic. And the third, of course, as we all know from things fall apart is you got me. And uh, out of those three, even though people love, you got me. This is my favorite one because it is so smooth. I mean, the fact that like thought goes into this story about, this girl he knows named Alana and, you know, just the way he sort of set the story up, you know, I know this girl named Alana with mad persona. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and then he talked about her, you know, whatever knew what there was man, Jermaine Palmer, who knew what there was people by the Baltimore Harbor. I mean, he set it up and that whole story just really kind of led you to the end of the track, which, you know, it lets you know about what happened to Alana afterwards. But you get these vocals through D'Angelo throughout the track. And then, honestly, the hook really isn't anything but thoughts saying the hypnotic, the hypnotic, and then D'Angelo just singing, drifting, 
Drifting. That's it. That's all it is. But I can't really explain it. You really have to listen to the track yourself. But this is, yeah, definitely my favorite track on this album. One of those ones that when I was in a chill mood, I could sit there and press that rewind button on my my Walkman and just go back and vibe out, you know, and just vibe out. Then you get into Itao, the universal side featuring Q-Tip, which is actually the last rap track on this. This was produced by the Grand Negas and also the Uma. The Uma made up of Q-Tip, Ali Shaheen Muhammad, and the late great Jay Dilla. Love to hear Tip and Thought go back and forth. Um, they did a great job really to kind of close out the rap portion of this. Then you get sort of like a jazz interlude with the track One Shine, which features uh, jazz musicians, the vocalist Cassandra Wilson, but then also saxophonist Joshua Redman. Now, I had been familiar with Joshua Redman because my dad had jazz records. And um, he had a few Joshua Redman, Redman CDs that I love to listen to. But this sort of takes you to a jazz instrumental. And a uh, Scott Storch actually was involved on this as well. I love being able to listen to this instrumental track. This was something like, again, something that you could vibe out to. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was interesting for them to really take it back to their roots, the whole jazz thing. After that follows up The Adventures in Wonderland, which is the poem by Ursula Rucker. And, you know, Ursula is always going to give you a great poem. And this message behind that poem is going to feature something that which may be a little dark, but it's going to get the message across nonetheless. But a great way to close out their album like they did on the previous album on this one, which she also did the same on Things Fall Apart. And then there's the outro. So, yeah, I know we said these were my highlights, but... I went through all of these because to me, I think all of these are highlights, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, there is not a track on here that I would say is really out of place. Now, some people might say that the one shine might be a little out of place because, you know, it's a jazz track. It's an instrumental track. But to me, that's the roots getting back to their roots. I mean, <laughs> really. But all of these tracks on here are their highlights. And. I sort of had to frame it in the in the term of how I listened to it on cassette on side A and side B because it was like you're done side A okay damn that was fire let me go to side B and in side B there's no let up either you just keep going um really it, it was something that was just like wow man so almost like when you're done it's like okay flip the tape back over turn around and do it again <laughs> that's the way a lot of that was when either riding the school bus or coming back, I would sit there and flip that tape over, then flip it and then flip it and then flip it and listen to it again and again and again. Production on this and the lyrics, I thought Black Thought was focused on this. I thought he took a step up. I thought Malik B was always was great and was a great compliment to Thought and Thought complimented Malik B. The guest spots I thought on here were timely and um, the vocalist that they had on here, I think fit this album as well. And also to mention on track on section uh, track number three, that was also sampled a couple of times when it was sampled by Redman on Muddy Waters for on his track. Is he for real? And then part of that beat of section was sampled by Jeremy Harding for what we call the playground rhythm, which was an instrumental that eventually was used for a lot of reggae tracks, but was used namely for Beanie Man's 1997 hit. Who am I? Sim Simma. Yeah, that was sampled from section from the roots. <laughs> so big up Beanie Man and big up the roots. Now into my notable quotable. So notable quotable for me. I told you all about Concerto of the Desperado. 
I have to get this verse from Tariq out there. By Tariq, I mean Black Thought. So my notable quote will come from Black Thought and comes from the first verse. And the glow of the moon over the melancholy metro. My poetry is set like in UFO. The maestro, the lyricist concetto. My physical play role of a vessel. My level of my lyrics law manifesto. My thoughts wrestle and attack with the killer instincts of a gorilla stronger than Samson. Without vanilla, my soliloquy possess. My ability to jest stimulate you like the best sense of Miller. The half-life, the illadella, opino, filler proceed. Hither is my death flower, blow your tower to smither. Range the fiend, catch another rhyme, gripper deeper than the meditations of a Hindu worshipper unorthodox hip-hop minister then a serengeti cheetah my thoughts swifter you lose your balance when the sound hits you so check for the fifth militia a poet's under pressure stressing that you get the picture even if it means you gotta hang over the banister i pull a microphone on any pistol brandisher and take advantage of your particular amateur styles gunning down your sound man and manager i mean what <laughs> first of all the gymnastics he has to do in this verse is crazy <laughs> like the half-life of Illadello, P.O. Villa proceed. Hither is my death flower, blow your tower to smither. Range the fiend, catch another rhyme gripper, deeper than the meditations of a Hindu worshiper. <sighs> it's Tariq, man. <laughs> I really felt like Tariq took his step up during this particular time, and I felt like he only got better as time got on went on. But this, I mean, and this was the track to me that closed outside A. So it really like hit you as soon as that tape was getting ready to end. That thought came out and really just demolished this track. The second verse is great too, but that first verse is really what got me. I got a good amount of rewinds, almost about the same amount of rewinds that the hypnotic, you know? So that's my notable quotable concerto of the desperado. So now we get to the final test, the test of time to see what kind of classic do I think it is? Do I think it's a, Certified classic, borderline classic, classic just in his time, or not a classic at all. And to me, this was the album that got me into the roots. This was the album that uh, sort of got me to the point where really became a fan of them and became a fan of Black Thought. And also Malik B really got me to be able to to appreciate Black Thought, um, appreciate Questlove, appreciate the roots as a band and what they did, not just for hip hop, but also for music. And this album, I mean, you can make an argument. To me, I think there's Things Fall Apart, Illadelph Half-Life, and Do You Want More? After that, I think there's a conversation about the other ones you want to talk about and what order they come from. But to me, this is right up there with Things Fall Apart. So because of that and because of the quality, like I said, there's no skips on this. I think it's a certified classic, uh, 10 out of 10, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, this is one of the top two uh, in their discography, in their catalog. And uh, I think this is really the album that introduced a lot of folks to the roots and for the change that they did and the for the change that they made in their approach could have killed them, could have lost them some fans, but instead what it did, it broadened their fan base. And I think it set them up for that journey that took them on to things fall apart, which to me, I think is their best album, no matter what, but I think it took them on that journey to things fall apart. And uh, the you know the synergy that the group had at that particular time even though Questlove says like at any point in time starting from Philadelphia they felt as though they could have broke up because of all the things that were happening internally that none of us saw but I, I feel as though this is really what helped to spring them on their springboard towards not just hip-hop success but then afterwards got them to the point where they became mainstream stars 
once they did things fall apart into the new millennium, which got them to the point now where the house band for the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon. So certified classic 10 out of 10 for Philadelphia half-life, the roots. That's what I say. I want to know what you all have to say, what you think about it. The source gave it four and a half mics did not give it the other half mic. I felt as though that it deserves it, but you know, that's up for debate. Let me know what you think about it. Y'all hit me up on social media. Let's talk about it. Let's see what you say. Make sure that you go and listen to Philadelphia half-life turning 25 this week as it hits its 25th anniversary. Make sure y'all go check it out. I know this is definitely a collector's item that a lot of vinyl collectors want to have. Any of the Roots albums, actually, it's great to have on vinyl. So make sure y'all go check that out. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our new host on Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. If you go to the link in our bio on any one of our social media pages, you'll get to the link tree. There you'll have all of our streaming sources and then also all of our social media pages. Again, you can follow The Vault Classic Music Reviews on at Vault CMR Podcast on Instagram, at Vault Classic on Twitter, and following The Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast on YouTube and Facebook. Like the Facebook page. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Interact with us on social media. Let us know what it is that you're thinking and what you think about the show. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we'd like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, We say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECREATE.